We're rocking, dude. Hold up. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Welcome back to the Represent Podcast. We are here, and we're balling. It's very hot in this room. Don't know what's going on, but you know, it is what it is. I have my brethren in Christ, a man of the ages, a preacher for his people, and a missionary for the lost. Now, I should have wrote like a whole walk-up intro. I, I, I really don't think I need all I that, but I, I appreciate the all right, be quiet. exhortation. All right. <laughs> and now, introducing. I'm, I, I don't have any big words that come to mind. The exuberant <laughs> magnifying of Jesus Christ, our personal Savior. The man who brings the word, the prophet to the nations. Mr. Cole Foster. Hello, Cole. How are you? I'm great, Duke. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I mean, that, come on. I could tell that you definitely practiced that. I, I, dude, you Looked know. in the mirror for hours. Looked in the mirror for it. hours. Realized I, my vocabulary is very small. So I was like, <laughs> the cool, the very smart <laughs> Cole Foster. What would you say is the biggest word that you know? Just right off the dome. Biggest word you could think of. <sighs> Probably onomatopoeia gotta be honest that's a pretty big word <laughs> onomatopoeia where'd you learn that one i learned that in like third grade all right there we go because you know that's in like all the books Boom, yeah. <laughs> onomatopoeia how's life cole dude, what's going on dude life has been great um lord's been very kind recently gotten to see him work through the hearts of a lot of different people um just um through the different ministries that i've just been so blessed to get to be a part of a lot of different doors that the lord has opened up um definitely in a season right now where the lord's just showing the power of discipleship Mm -hmm. um, and just uh, the intentionality that goes behind just having intentional conversations and just what it looks like to, um, you know, not have to seek each other out on a big stage in terms of preaching, you know, um, which we get to do a lot, which is mm -hmm. awesome. Um, but just getting to explore more of the depths of what ministry looks like beyond that, um, yeah. just what it looks like to get to know people, um, to really just walk alongside them and the tough things and the difficult things and um, just get to be a steward to what the Lord's given. So it's been yeah. a really, it's been a really big season of, I feel like growth. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like the past couple of years, just stepping into college, leaving an atmosphere that you're so comfortable with. Um, there's been a lot of tilling up of soil, um, a lot of numbness that's grown to a place of softness, which is awesome and great, but it's also a process that's hard. Yeah. Um, and Bittersweet. so, yeah, it, exactly. And so getting to see a lot of the fruits of that just grow recently has been really cool. Um, and just, um, really a phenomenal stage of life to mm -hmm. be in because you're just um, seeing the abundance of the Lord tangibly, which we don't yeah. get to see and it's never promised to us. Um, so what a sweet joy that even though it's not promised to us, I'm getting to experience that. Yeah. Um, but life has been great, dude. Lord is kind and there's a lot of really cool stuff that's been going on. I think that is cool because I think as we get older, especially it seems like you can tell by most Christian college kids, like you go in and you're like amped up, you're fired up. But it's almost like you're kind of like blind. You're just like running in blind. You're just like, Jesus, fired up, running in. Like, let's go do it, you know. And um, I think we learn that ministry is not all about like Sunday church and it's not all about preaching and stuff like that. But ministry is really just like, you know, behind closed doors with your friends yeah, and absolutely. just helping people out. I got a, I got a phone call two hours ago that a church that I went to in Houston with my grandma a long time ago, there's some people from that church who are coming to where we are. And they're like staying like he's real elderly now and he needs help walking. She's like, hey, well, they're going to be there at four o'clock on this day. Can you be there and just help him get up the stairs because he's really old? Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, dude. Like, and I think that's the people 
that's the things that we kind of stray away from. Yeah, Because the absolutely. lights aren't on us. The things are, but that's ministry. Oh, for sure. And it'd be cool if like we knew everything that Jesus did because yeah. there's probably so much that he did just on his off time. Yeah. Just like, oh, broken leg, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you're sick. But even like little things like, oh, let me help you like clean this up or yeah. let me help you do, you know, like because it says the son of God came to be served, not to or to serve, not to be served. Yeah. And seeing that in Christians lives and especially like col- college guys, mm. college. I talk about this all the time. College guys are so annoying because they're they're so fired up and they're so amped up and they're so ready to do things. But it's like all they want is the things that get you seen. Yeah. Like they whip out their Bible for their co-ed Bible study, mm-hmm. but they're not helping people no. on the street. So it's like getting that mix. But I think we're all guilty of naturally being drawn to the lights and being drawn to the stage and being drawn to the following. And it's cool. Like as we get older, we can really see like, it's really not about that. Yeah. And you don't want it. You want no, to be serving. Absolutely not. And I think that's a normal stage of life in anything, you mm-hmm. know, like I know when I first started playing basketball, right. I played it cause I loved it. But then the more, you know, in tune you get with it, the better you get at the game. It's like, okay, these people are showing up to watch me do this. Mm-hmm. And then the attention shifts from like, oh, yeah, like I love playing this game to look at these people as they watch me. Um, and, you know, you even talking about just like this boldness and coming in so excited, you know, I, I think there's a beauty to that. Um, some, a passage of scripture this past semester that I've really been clinging to is just Matthew 14, um, where it talks about Jesus walking on water. Um, and then Peter attempts to walk out on water as mm-hmm. well, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he eventually sinks. Mm-hmm. Um, but what people don't realize a lot about that passage of scripture is, one, Peter was the only one out of all the disciples in the midst of that storm, in the midst of the Sea of Galilee, mm-hmm. being the only one who wanted to actually get up and boldly take yeah. that step to walk towards Jesus. And so much of the time, I know we've talked about this a lot, just like the Christian perspective on other people. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so easy for us to kind of jump to a point of inclination where it's like, oh my gosh, you took the step, but you fell. Yeah. We have to become a culture that begins to embrace people even just taking that first step. Yeah, like you didn't even take the step, bro. No, like, absolutely You're in the not. boat yeah. still. <laughs> and, and like, the thing is, is like, we're so quick to talk to people when they fall, but we don't embrace them when they're at least taking those bold steps. Yeah. And when we do that, we're doing nothing but pushing them back to a place where they're staying you in the boat. want to support them. Yes. Say, hey, let's take this step and let me like help you succeed. And yeah. it's like you take, they're not even taking a step. So don't even listen to them. Like you taking a step, it's going to be hard. Yeah. You're going to take your eyes off and you're going to fall. Let us help you bring it up. Yeah. But like you said, Christians are so much like, nah, man, you're just not holy enough, bro. Like, you're just failing. That's fine. And it's like, help him. Yeah, exactly. Or like, just continue and encourage. Cause I think another part of that scripture too, that's so important is like Jesus in the moment catches him, you know, Mm -hmm. like it wasn't one of those deals where Peter completely fell and he was on his own and he was trying to swim. I don't know if Peter could swim or not. Hopefully he could Mm -hmm. how much water they've been traveling on. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But like in that moment, Jesus catches him even in the midst of him taking a bold step and he falls. Christ has never once called for our perfection. That's the whole reason that we needed a Savior to come down here and do exactly what Christ did for us. He's calling for our pursuit. And in that moment, that's what Peter is showing. And so many times in college ministry specifically, even high school ministry, we just have such a like, man, like I'm so ready to go. Like I'm so ready to boldly do these things. Well, then that takes us to a place where we're so focused on our own growth Mm -hmm. that we don't incorporate the growth of others. Um, And when we do that, we're we're putting other people in the position where they're the one out of the 99. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is, is that the one can't survive without the 99 and without the good shepherd. Mm -hmm. That's the whole reason that the shepherd seeks out the one is because the 99 still has the 98 mm-hmm. right like it still has that community it still has that upbringing where they like if they fall there's other people there yeah right but there's this understanding that like hey how as 
ministers, as people who have been gifted with the Holy Spirit, who have been granted something that we don't deserve, how do we go and how do we share that with other people? Mm -hmm. Well, we do that by, one, encouraging one another and building each other up, but that includes putting each other in a position to do that, not judging when others take that bold step, not judging when people are willing to even do the things that maybe we're not willing to do, right? I mean, heck, like if you were to go out and do something, Duke, and like it was grand for the Lord, you would go on mission trip. I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, you're going on mission trip and I'm not. So how do I tear Duke down so I can feel better about mm -hmm. my own spirituality? No, like praise God for the step that he has going on in your life. Yeah. That's a huge thing. And I, I, I talk about this so much because I feel like it's so prominent in social media. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like that's really where the root of everything has started is it's no longer can we just go and serve the Lord, but it has to be magnified under this glass. Um, it has to be shown to every single person. Mm -hmm. Personally, for me, I just completely deleted my Instagram account, my Snapchat, my TikTok, like all of that. I haven't had it for the past month. And what I'm realizing now is it's a lot more difficult to serve, mm -hmm. um, but in a good way in the type of way that's pushing me to a place where it's like, okay, what is the heart posture behind every single thing that I'm doing? Mm -hmm. um, and so many of the times now, it's so easy because we see other people doing stuff and it's like, oh, I'm going to get back at you. I'm just not going to like your post, mm -hmm. you know? Or it's like, oh, I'm just going to like unfollow you, mm -hmm. right? It's like, no. like It, it also it, brings like, like insecurity. And we talked about that the other day is like, you see these people, you know, if they're doing mission trips and they're doing activities and they're doing what seems like crazy things. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, well, I'm not doing all that. And it's like, you're basing your calling. You're trying to compare your calling to theirs. Yeah. They're called to do something totally different. Absolutely. You're not going to be effective if you're doing that mm -hmm. right now. Maybe later you can do it. Yeah. They're not going to be effective if they're doing what you're doing. Like, we're all playing different parts. And the only way we can, our church is all about change this county from the inside out. Yeah. We can't all change this county. Like, I can't change this county. Mm -mm. First Baptist Church ain't going to change this county. No. It takes everybody playing their role. But if... Christians are the ones trying to tear each other down or trying to compare, compare a sin. If we're trying to compare each other, then we're just like, we're fighting up here. Mm -hmm. So you can't expect to produce good fruit if the roots are bad. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I like churches who, if they have like staff problems mm -hmm. and if they're like arguing and they just don't get along, don't expect your church to do great mm -mm. because your roots are bad. Mm. So if your roots are bad, your fruit ain't going to be great. No. So the only, we're supposed to be people the Bible talks about love and it just talks about what love is and what love isn't. Mm -hmm. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Love is patient. Like encourage. Yeah. Like who cares if they're doing something different? Who cares if they fell over here? Yeah. Build them up. Yeah. Encourage them to get up. But we're so involved in like tearing down, comparing. We're like, eh, we have like that subtle beef because we're not doing what they're doing and vice mm -hmm. versa. And it's like, we're never going to grow and reach the people we have if that's what we're doing. Well, I even think to Mark, just the story of the paralytic that needed healing, you know, mm -hmm. like the friends didn't look at him and, you know, base him as a paralytic. They saw him in his need and in that moment found a way to bring him into the presence of Jesus. Yeah. And I just think about how much different not only our community, but our world would be if we had that mentality. Um, because at the end of the day, like, I'm sure those people had things going on in their own lives as well that they were like, hey, I would love to approach Jesus in this moment, you know, mm -hmm. but they saw the need of their brother and how vast that was in comparison to theirs. And not to say that their need wasn't important, but what they did see was, hey, like our brother is in need now. How yeah. do we approach him? Mm -hmm. And maybe in the sense of like bringing him to the physical propitiation of Jesus, we can't do that. But, you know, I really feel like something that so many churches lack in nowadays, or just us as Christians in general, is just a presence of praying. Mm -hmm. I, I fully believe that the best strategy and the best, 
I guess, even way that we could intercede within the Lord and just within any problem that we have in our lives is truly just bringing the Lord into it. And we can't bring him into it if we're not first seeking that out in prayer. And so it just feels like so many times nowadays, like prayer is powerful. And I feel like we just are so quick to just be like, okay, I'm going to bow my head and take like a 30 second nap while the preacher is, you know, just Mm -hmm. praying for us. Heck yeah. Versus like actually talking to one another and being like, hey, like in this moment, can I pray for you? Like, Mm -hmm. can I, can we talk about the things that are actually going on? Mm -hmm. Can we get to the heart problem? And that's something I've had to learn too very recently is like vulnerability stinks. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is that vulnerability breeds vulnerability. And the more vulnerability that you're willing to have the more grace there is and it's sufficient and it's abundant i even think to matthew 15 when jesus feeds the four thousand. right jesus when he is you know passing out all this stuff to everybody it says in verse 37 that not only was there enough for everybody there was an abundant amount that was left over like there was sufficiency and then there was more you know and that's just the beauty of who our god is is even in the midst of when we have to talk about the difficult things when we have to go through and walk through situations that aren't necessarily super gratifying to ourselves or to our emotions or to the things that maybe we want necessarily, we still have the opportunity that we can come in with vulnerability and say, hey, the Lord is not only sufficient, but he is abundant. Mm -hmm. And there is more than I could ever ask for. And the reason that I bring that up, specifically within the church, talking about like Duke Atwell is not the Savior, Cole Foster is not the Savior, Mm -hmm. he's not. But the less and less that we look at God and give him the perception and the characteristics that he deserves, the less and less we're going to be able to fully experience that abundance. Um, And his abundance is much greater than anything else this world could ever give, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I use this line, Duke and I like to have a lot of talks. (laughs) We we have a lot of phone calls where we'll catch up just about life. Um, Duke's my number one my number one guy, my best friend, and um, we both kind of stepped into this calling of ministry at a very similar time. Um, and I remember, I guess it was it was either at the beginning of this semester or at the end of last semester, we were just calling. Um, and something I remember telling him, we were talking about youth ministry specifically, because that's something we're both very passionate about, um, was just talking about kind of the abundance of God and giving people opportunities to serve and to step out in that type of way. And I use the analogy of a car. Um, just with kids. And I said, man, we're gassing these kids up, but we ain't giving them nowhere to drive, you know? And I just feel like, you know, we're giving people an abundance. It can't just be this abundance. We also have to give them opportunities to serve. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a big thing with our culture now is so many kids, they experience that goodness at a young age, but then they don't have opportunities to step out. Because it's like, yeah, they'll do that at schools. It's like, if they're not willing to step out and do that at church where they feel comfortable, they'll never be willing to do that in a situation where they feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And so putting them in a place where it's like, how do we fill them up with the spirit, giving them a confidence, giving them this abundance that they have, and then saying, hey, there is more and there is a sufficiency that is greater than you. So now go and serve. Well, it starts with us, mm-hmm. just like anything else. It starts with the church. Yeah. And so it really comes back to this root problem of like, as a church, how do we allow people to see the abundance? How do we allow people to see the sufficiency? How do we allow people to see that there is a filling that is within their spirit and within their souls? And there are multiple different roads you could mm-hmm. drive down to go and to share that with other people. Yeah. Um, and it really just starts here. It starts with us. It starts with community. It starts with people being in a place where we're encouraging one another and doing it in truth and grace, calling each other out kindly, but not to the point where we're seeing sin and identity as the same thing, mm. but we're separating the two. We're seeing identity in Christ, and we're seeing a sin problem that has plagued every single human for generations now and helping them to then understand sufficiency, grace. It's abundant. It's present. It's there. Mm-hmm. And through that forgiveness, giving them a confidence that could only be found in the Lord, that's grounded, that's rooted, that then, like you said, Kind of coming back to this idea of fruit, producing good fruit, yeah. producing fruit that is founded in the only thing that is good, and that's Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I think, like so many of us, we talked about this, I think, last week, but it's, um, like, I'm saved. And it's like, we're just here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm good, I'm saved. And not Christians who are just saved, sometimes they're like, okay, I'm saved, I'm good. Like, mm-hmm. let's go do whatever. Like, that's not the right mindset to have. But also leaders who are leading people into salvation, you can't just let them be saved. Like, okay, you're saved, now discipleship Mm. now we're going to help you become a leader now we're going to teach you how to evangelize and as people who are saved you don't want to just sit here and be like i'm saved like now you have something inside of you that has given you the power to go give it to other people Mm. yeah and dude i went on a whole rant last episode just about like the rising of other religions Mm. and how christianity is slowing down how fast we're growing yeah and it's really because christians aren't wanting to help each other and really help the lost people. We want to play the judge. We want to be like Pharisees almost saying like, mm. no, that's not right. That's not, you know, what Jesus would do. Show them what Jesus would do then. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just it's just the cultural thing, and it's almost just our pride. I was talking about that this morning. Uh, I went to have breakfast with a friend, and we were just talking about how your pride is going to, your pride is going to take everything from you. It's like you're never going to reach where you want to go because of your pride. Yeah. Sometimes it's going to require you to take a lower role and you're going to have to support someone rather than you be in a higher role and they support you. Yeah. And if your pride's not going to let you do that, then God's not there. No, absolutely. Like not. God wants you to say, "Hey, lay down your pride and focus on me." Yeah. Be well, proud that you know me. Well, I even think about the book of James. You know, the book of James is a book on sanctification. It's a mm-hmm. book that is written to believers that um, you know, have very recently left Judaism and they're seeking Christianity. And because of that, they're cut off of temple, which is why in James, a lot of the times, like it's talking about like the wealthy and the rich, the poor, um, is because a lot of those people being cut off from synagogue, not temple, Mm -hmm. sounded crazy there for a second, (laughs) being cut off of synagogue, like you, like you don't have sufficient funds. You don't Mm -hmm. have the things that you would necessarily have. Like if I were struggling, I could go to synagogue. I could have the money that I needed. Right. And so a lot of times, like kind of talking about pride, it talks about almost like this exalted type of standpoint versus mm-hmm. like and a lot of what was happening in the time where there was exaltation was a lot of believers felt as though like hey like i'm doing this yada 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 like i have money yada 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 like it was very much so a worldly thing and, and it, it blows my mind because i feel like kind of going back to the thing where we talk about being in the spotlight a little bit mm-hmm. and just more of like the root of pride it, it spurs from a place of like look what i can do on this earth mm-hmm. and the truth of the matter is that like our life is but a vapor it's here one day and gone the next and at the end of the day, if we truly believe that like a vapor has any impact on anything, then we're blinded by our own selfish ambition. And the truth of the matter then becomes, okay, like how do I have an impact? Well, you have an impact by being a vapor that is blown from the mouth of God, not just in the dust of the world, yeah. you know? Um, and it's so easy for us as Christians, and it, it's to just exalt ourselves because it's like, look at the different things we're doing. I know personally for me, and Duke, you can attest to this as well, like when we first started teaching, there was definitely a pride. Like, I just flipped your mic upside down. There was definitely a pride. I mean, like, I know for myself, like, when I went up there, it was like, yeah, I love Jesus. And we talked about this boldness of Mm -hmm. wanting to go and serve. Bro, I was so excited to just get up there and talk in front of people, Mm -hmm. you know? It was one of those deals where, like, look at all the ways that I've grown. It was almost like approving myself to people, too, in my Christian walk. Like your resume. Yeah. And not even, like, like a resume, but also, like, look at the ways I've been sanctified. Mm -hmm. You know, look at the ways that I'm different than I used to be. I've been on that grind. Like, I'm holy now. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And not, like, holier than thou. Yeah. But, like, I'm holier than thou used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... 
and just putting myself in a position where it was like, man, like, look at all the different things I'm doing and completely wrong mindset mm -hmm. where it was like, no, like you're doing absolutely nothing. It's the work of the spirit. And that's when we falter so quickly yep. um, is when we believe that the work that we're doing and we use we versus, you know, him or our God is, you know, anything that is impactful or meaningful and it can be, but it has to be through the work that he's doing. Yeah. Um, and we just, we fall into that trap so quickly. Um, and it's one of those deals where, man, it, that's where community really does come into play. Um, and just being grounded in the right type of confidence has an impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think celebrating, just celebrating more, mm. like celebrating other people achieving, celebrate other people winning, celebrate other people doing things. Um, like, everyone's impact is going to be different. Yeah. Like if I go build a little house in Africa for one family and then come back, people might be like, and dude did all that just to go build one house. I impacted a family yeah. that now has a house, right? Like we all have a different impact. We just need to be celebrating, celebrating what we're doing, celebrating what all of our, us Christians are accomplishing. If they're accomplishing things, just celebrate life and celebrate God. Yeah. Um, I was talking about, like Easter versus Christmas and how people are so fired up for these two, like Christian Christians, they, they only come to church for these two things. Yeah. And really like Christmas is like the Super Bowl mm. for Christianity and the Super Bowl for, I mean, people who are like almost kind of religious, kind of know God, kind of know Jesus, you know, like all these things. Um, w why can't we celebrate him all the time? Mm. Because we were talking about how the gospel is not Christmas, the gospel is Easter, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, why are Absolutely. we more, like, well, Jesus being born obviously is very important. Yeah. We should celebrate that. But why are we not keeping the same energy for Easter? Mm. Why are we not keeping the same energy for those two as we are for Good Friday? Yeah. Well, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I, I just have a point to that. I heard someone say this, and it's always kind of stuck to me. Um, and they said that we view Jesus as crucifixion as the peak of his love mm -hmm. when actually it's the standard of his love mm -hmm. um, and it's so easy for us to look at these big momentous things that are happening I truly believe like the biggest of praises the biggest of moments that we have gratitude in like gratitude is not something where it's like everything's going great I can give thanks gratitude is your posture towards the Lord despite circumstance same mm -hmm. thing as peace and joy mm -hmm. like what type of gratification am i seeking and is it one that is worldly is it one that i'm looking for instantaneous or is it one that i'm willing to walk through this valley that i know you have me in right now because when i walk out of this valley the mountain is that much more big mm -hmm. um and it's that much more monumentous in my own life mm -hmm. and so we have to stop looking like you're kind of talking about as those things as like the peak of christianity when really like that's the standard that we should be living in every single yeah. time like all the time mm -hmm. i I think about like youth camp or like D now, man, we'd be balling, like, mm -hmm. like not like balling. Like we'd be balling yeah. during those things. We'd be crying, we're not balling, you we know? Balling. Okay. Yeah. We balling. And it's great. Like, it's yeah. amazing that like we can sense the spirit and we can experience his presence together at big events like that. Mm -hmm. But man, like what if we treated every single day like that? What if every Wednesday was like that? Mm -hmm. What if every Tuesday at lunch was like that mm -hmm. at school? Like it's not some peak that we should experience. It should be a standard that we live through every single day. Yeah. And like the disciples, they could probably attest to that because if if we were in a crowd, if we were part of a crowd and we saw Jesus do something crazy, like yeah. heal this lady, we're like, now that's the peak. Like, it don't get much better than that. Yeah. But that's every day for the disciples watching Jesus do this stuff. Yeah, it's absolutely. like, it's just what Jesus does. And that's what the gospel is. Mm -hmm. It's like saying, look, I'm not just some like one hit wonder. I'm not some, Jesus ain't just some fancy thing that, oh, he, he did all these things. Like, no, that was like his lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Like, he woke up in the morning and something was going to happen because that was just the love he had. And for us, 
the way that we can act like Jesus, even though we, we might not be healing people, making them walk again, if we just wake up in the morning and be like, dude, I'm going to go love people today. Like, mm. Jesus, Jesus never had a peak. Like, someone said it like this, and, you know, people have problems with it, but some people say Jesus never reached his full potential because he didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesus could have done probably w- way more than we've seen him do, oh, but he yeah. didn't have to. No. And it's like Jesus just did what was needed mm. almost to give us an example to see that's all you need to do. Yeah. Like you don't have to do something crazy all the time. All you got to do is sit here with these sinners. All well, you got to do is love them and tell them about me. Well, savior of the universe born in a manger. He wasn't born in like a castle. It's like, What and, more do you want from me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, he, he lived out the example of humility in every single mm-hmm. way. He took that lowly position to yeah. say like, you don't need money mm. to be effective. You don't need a name like a big last name that everybody knows to be like yeah that, that's why he everything we see from jesus from being born in a major with the sheeps and the goats from being raised to no one really knowing who he was all of that was to show the example of all you have is all you need yeah you don't need funds you don't need friends you don't need a spotlight all you need is what i gave you and he took that lowly position and i said this one time and it was a hot take jesus would have had no influence if it was just for how he looked. Mm. Like he would have zero influence if it was, if he was not Jesus, if he was not the Messiah, he would have no influence because no one cares about carpenters. No one cares about people who were born where you were born. No one cares about you, Mm -mm. but he demonstrated his importance and his value based on what he did for people. And all of that is to show it does not matter where you come from. Mm-hmm. It does not matter where you live in the world. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter how little it looks like to other people or how big it looks like to other people. What you have is all you need. Yeah. And all God needs from you is a willing heart to go do so. Yeah, it, we talk about it. It's not about the perfection. It's about the pursuit, right? Yeah. Like, it's not about this idea that every single thing I do, I need to do perfectly right. And that's something that I struggle with. Like, I, anytime I mess up, whether it's small, whether it's big, like, all the same in the Lord's eyes. But to me, it's so easy to kind of like play the comparison game now where like, I'm like, man, like the view that I have on myself is not the view that God has on me. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, the view I have on myself is like, I don't understand why in the world anybody would ever have a, like send a savior for me. Why anybody would ever die on my behalf, knowing the mistakes that I've made. But that obviously isn't God's viewpoint on us. It's completely different. And that's just because his character is so much greater and so much higher than ours. And I say this a lot. I feel like a lot of the time, the reason that we fall into the trap of kind of what you were talking about is like serving self versus serving others is because we know the right. Naturally, as people, we know the right and the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. Like if you would have told me, like, should I do this or should I not do this before I had an intimate relationship with Jesus? I would have been able to tell you the right thing to do every single Mm -hmm. time. It wasn't about the knowledge of what to do. It was about the understanding of the who and the why. In the heart of wanting to do. In the heart of wanting to. And, and that comes from having a deeper like yeah. love for Christ, having a deeper relationship for yeah. Christ. And I, I, it's just one of those deals where I think so many times we preach like, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, that we don't spend enough time talking about this is who God was. This is who he is. Mm-hmm. And a reason that we are so quick to judge and to be judgmental and to try to be the people who are the convictors is because we try and put ourselves in the position where we tell people this mm-hmm. is what you should and should not do yeah. versus telling them this is who God is. Because yeah. I'm telling you right now, someone who isn't a believer does not want to hear the things that they should and should not do. Yeah, it's like we're, we want them to fix up the behavior before they get in church. Exactly. It's like, you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. 
let me show you about let me tell you about Jesus mm-hmm. and I'll let him deal with that. Yeah, exactly. Like we and we I don't think we put ourselves in the position of God, but I think we've put on more responsibility. And I don't even want to think it's a pride thing. I just think it's one of those deals where culturally we have been told for so long that like if you want to do something, you got to go out and you got to fix it. Great. We go on mission. We have the opportunity to go and to share the love of Christ. But I mean, you even look at the parable of like where we have a messenger. I have an envelope for you, right? It's sealed. I have no idea what is inside this mess inside this envelope for Mm -hmm. you. I know the message. I know the one who wrote the message. I know the one who is giving you the message, Mm -hmm. but all I have is the envelope and it's sealed and it's sealed by a holy seal that indicates who it is from. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to trust in the seal, understanding who wrote it, who gave the message, and I'm just going to give it to you. Mm -hmm. And from there, like, I'm going to support you. I'm going to be whatever I need to be for you. But at the end of the day, it's not my job to be the judge. It's not my job to be that. And it's not my job to fix you. No. Like, we have, if people are doing problems, like if I'm mentoring someone, and, you know, they're doing good, and then they just, like, don't do good. They go and they do something incredibly stupid. Yeah. Like, sometimes it would be easy to say, like, you know, I, I really take responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. If you, bro, if you did what you were supposed to do, then that's up to them. Yeah. Like, we don't give people enough credit. Mm-hmm. Like, you can show them Jesus, but they're still going to have free will to do yeah. whatever they want. All you have, like you said, all you can do is give them the gift. Mm-hmm. T- teach them in the way they should go. Hey, here you go. This is Jesus. Welcome. Yeah. And let them sort it out. Yeah. And if they decide that they don't want it and they want to go wild out, cool. But you did your part of presenting them mm-hmm. the gospel. You're not supposed to present it to them and then say, all right, so basically what you're going to say is like, you need to stop all that because that's whack. You mm-hmm. can't be doing this. You better be going to church. It's like, no, no, no. Here you go. This is what God has for you. And I want to help you do it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think something that we fall into is the reason that, you know, telling right and wrong it obviously we want to call out people's sin like Mm -hmm. we want to give them truth but there's a difference between doing that and just consistently condemning and the reason i bring this up is like if you and i were to go to a sports game right and we don't care for either team like we're just there we love whatever sport we're watching and there's two teams that we don't really care for either one naturally throughout watching the game you are going to have an inclination to cheer for one team and i'm going to have an inclination to cheer for one team Mm -hmm. for whatever reason like we will eventually have a bias Mm -hmm. right as people we can't play the middle part Mm -hmm. as much as we try and do it we are incapable of doing that because eventually we sway one way or the other Mm -hmm. and so many of what people in our society are doing today is like man i really love the stuff that the world has to offer and i really love the stuff that you know christianity talks about and what jesus talks about and so then they're in the middle and they see like this right and wrong that they have to walk but they don't see like this intimacy Mm -hmm. Or this understanding of like when you go full in on God, everything else on that other side makes sense. And everything else on that other side handles itself completely. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is be willing to say, okay, I'm going to walk down this, this path. But so many times as Christians, we block that path off. Yeah. We don't offer that path. We don't offer that gift. And it's because of the condemnation that we bring. Um, but I, I, especially talking youth ministry, because it's something I, I know for myself I'm super passionate about. Um, and I know Duke is passionate about it as well. Um, it really does have to start kind of like with the foundational stuff that we teach them. Because, you know, in kids ministry, like we learn about like God loves me. God is truth. Mm-hmm. Every, like you learn about the realness of God. Right. That's what kids ministry is. But like it just feels like we get into youth ministry and then they have so many different things and so many situations that are thrown at them. And we're all we're offering are yes and no's. We're not offering like a deeper understanding of who God is. Yeah. Um, I know for myself, and it, it wasn't a lack of, you know, any like the youth ministry that like I was a part of. If anything, it was 
put the one that pushed me to a place where I was actually willing to seek this out myself, which is the goal is to get kids to seek it out on themselves. Mm -hmm. But it just felt like I, I, I could see God. I could see the ocean. I could see it in its fullness, but I was only ever willing to stand on the shore. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't ever really willing to go out, to go deeper, to swim, to see all of what was there, to experience what was there, to what I saw. Like there was a, there was a sight, there was a viewpoint of it. There was like, a, okay, cool. Like I had my feet wet. That's enough. Mm -hmm. Kind of like you talked about with salvation. Like it's enough. My feet are wet. That's cool for me. Mm -hmm. But we, we don't ever have a willingness to go out and to swim and get to the deeper ends of what that has to offer. And I think it starts with leadership too. Yeah. Um, and having people who are, you know, we have a, also an upside down view of leadership. We, we think uh, as a leader, it should be everybody serving me. When in truth, a real leader is somebody who goes and serves everyone else. Um, I, I always explain it as like, it's not this linear line where like I'm walking and you follow every single step I take. It's more of like this horizontal line. And I'm just the one who's willing to take the first step. And from there, you have the confidence to run the race yourself. Mm. Um, and we don't put people in that position enough. It's so many times it's follow the exact motion that I do. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Yes. But imitation of Christ is encouragement to be unique. Kind of like you talked about, we're all different, right? Mm. Praise God that I'm a foot and I don't have to be a shoulder, right? Yeah. Praise God. I don't have to be a shoulder. I got bad shoulders, you right? I got terrible shoulders. Praise God for that. So, like, thank God that, like, when he puts me in situations to serve and to lead, like, I don't have to work out of the boundary of who he created me to be. Mm. I don't have to be something I'm not because he created me. He molded me. He's going to put me in those positions. He knows my strengths. He knows my weaknesses, right? Yeah. And Christ is made known through my weakness. But at the same time, there has to be a place in which that strength is just predicated around the gospel. Mm. And that strength is predicated around the gospel when we have other people that are willing to be leaders. It should never just be one leader. It should be a group of leaders who lead in different ways. Yeah. And that's what the church is. I mean, I've, that's basically what I've been explaining this whole time. And it really feels like that's kind of what we keep coming back to is this the idea church. of community and church and the importance of people around you that are willing to push you in that direction. Yeah, and it, going back to like your, your leadership thing is like, it's not about one person being taken care of. It's about you taking care of people, but it's really about all these people just taking care of each other. Yeah. Like, if I'm taking care of you, you're getting benefits, I'm getting stuff taken away from me. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, uh, yeah, that's just the kind of relationship it is. I was trying to think of the fancy names for the different types of relationships, <laughs> but again, my vocabulary is trash. But if I'm giving to you, and you're, you're getting it all, I'm giving it all. Mm -hmm. One of us is empty. Mm -hmm. But if I'm giving to you, and you're giving some of you to them, and they're giving some of them to them, and they're giving some to me, and I'm giving a little bit more to them, and they're giving some to me, and then they're giving some to you, mm -hmm. we're all giving, and we're all receiving from somebody. Yep. If I have a team of 10 people, I don't want one person up there talking and doing it and everybody else serving him. I don't want two people just talking and everybody serving them. Yep. I want two people who have the leadership mind, mm -hmm. who are getting things from everybody, but also they're giving. Mm. It's like, I can't run on empty. You can't run on empty. Mm -mm. Let's play to each other's strengths. Yeah. That's our leader. He's the voice. He's the visionary of what we're doing. Let's help him do that. And then if I'm like the social media guy, they're going to help me with that. And yeah. they're going to help fund me. And this is the worship guy. And they're going to help him do that. And he's going to help me with my stuff. Yeah. This is the youth pastor. He's doing youth. So he's going to get some knowledge from the visionary, but he's also going to give a little bit. Over. So to work in the Christian life, Stop trying to receive all the time mm. and start giving. Well, I, I think of, like, the importance of that in Philippians 2. You know, Paul's in prison at this point. He's writing the Church of Philippi. Pause. I would just like to point out, you, you're a Caden Foster's brother, obviously. Yeah. 
and whenever Caden was on here, he always, like, the comments and stuff were so funny because it's like, man, this dude's so, like, biblically wise, bro. Like, 30-year-olds <laughs> would look up to this guy. And it's like seeing you and you're all, like, the same person just, like, bringing up scripture. It's just funny. Okay. <laughs> all right. Bring two. it back. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God for his sanctifying work. I can barely read. Um, so, Philippians 2, like, you, you have this idea of Paul who's in prison. He's writing the Church of Philippi, right? And, like, at this point, like, he has no one. Like, he doesn't have this community around him. But all he has in the moment is an ability to pray. And all he has in this, in this moment is an ability to write and to encourage. Mm -hmm. And at no point is it ever like, oh, I'm in prison. Like, mm -hmm. look at every, like, this is in Philippians 1, verse 21. It says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, that's that's where that famous passage, passage comes yeah. from. And so even, like, seeing Paul in this moment, like, he understands, like, hey, this is the placement of where the Lord has me. And even in that moment, it's never a pity thing. It's like a look at the joy of what the Lord is doing in my life. Yeah. But also, here's the importance of community and like continuing to like call out church leaders. Mm -hmm. And like, because it's that important, even at a point where he doesn't necessarily have that community, yeah. all he has is his ability to pray, to seek the Lord in the moment, and continue to write. And mm -hmm. he had people that would visit him and bring him stuff. And yeah, Paul, was, Paul was in the ultimate place to be the one to receive stuff. Yeah. And he was like, even though I don't have much, I'm still going to give. Exactly. And then we have like these baller scriptures that he, like, yeah. Well, and then uh, Romans 15 verses 5 through 7 says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of our God. And, and that kind of goes along with a little bit of what we're talking about, mm -hmm. like just looking at like Philippians in church is like, first off, we serve a God of endurance and encouragement, which is awesome. Like mm -hmm. a God who brings endurance when things are tough and also encourages us when those things are tough. But he's a God who unifies mm -hmm. and we are unified under one voice, one purpose, one mission, one goal. And it talks about that in Philippians 2 as well. And so it's just cool because even in this midst of Paul just being, I mean, away from everything obviously like you said he's in a position where he should be receiving mm -hmm. he should be seeking help he's like no like the church is so much greater than me on an individual scale yeah and i think so many times it's like how can the church serve me mm -hmm. versus how can i serve the church and paul in that moment shows the truth of what it should actually be mm -hmm. is it's how do i serve the church not because the church the church's vision is any greater than Jesus's vision. But if you are at a church that is planting good fruit, that's planting seeds that are growing, that are abundant in the ways that they are abundant, then ultimately, like, it's one of those deals where you should be able to, you should be in a place where you're willing to serve and you're willing to give those things and understand that, yes, the church also serves us. It pours into us. But the church isn't this building that we're in right now. Yep. The church is the people. Mm -hmm. And so what it's saying is that people pour into people, so then people can pour into people, then people can pour into people, exactly like you talked about. And Paul lived that out so well mm -hmm. in every single aspect of his life. A lot of guys did. I mean, Paul is the standard for a lot of different yeah. things biblically. Yeah. But in that particular situation, I just go back to Paul so easily. I think in the Bible, like, we're talking about Paul and what he did. Like, the thing, some of the stuff that we're talking about is not things that was, like, written down in the Bible. Mm -hmm. We just see that by his actions. Yeah. And it's like so many things— like lately I've been just talking about Jesus to different people in our church and just not even teaching stuff that he taught, mm -mm. just looking at the stuff he was doing mm. and how he was doing it and what he was doing. Just like just the acts of service that we can see in the Bible. Like that's a great thing to look at. And I think for me, you pour in, but you, you can't pour out too much because then you're going to be empty. So like someone else needs to be pouring into you Yeah. so many times, dude, like, it's almost like if you weren't talking to people on a, on a daily basis, you almost wouldn't have much to give out to people mm -hmm. because 
you don't realize it, but people pour into you all the time. Mm. Like I just got done with breakfast with a friend and he was just pouring into me. Yeah. And I didn't realize that he was really pouring into me until mm. we get on this podcast. And pretty much everything I've said just now came straight out of his mouth earlier. You know, like yeah. we don't we get the knowledge from somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's almost that's what school is for. Yeah. For them to pour into you. Mm. So then you can pour out. And as we're adults and we're not in school, and we're not learning all the time. We need those people, mentors to help us, pastors to help us. Mm. And then once we get that knowledge, we can then help other people. So people are like pastors. It's so funny because like celebrity pastors are always like mess with each other. And it's like some pastor will say something and they're like, who'd you steal that from? It's like, you know, yeah. it's like, but at this point, bro, everything is stolen from somebody. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll use like an example for like, uh, like Sunday morning Bible study or something. And one of the kids will like DM me on Instagram of the, a clip of someone. Yeah, exactly. that. Like, is this where you got it from? I'm like, you shut your mouth. <laughs> well, the danger of it is, is that you don't want to be so over original that it's not even scripture anymore. Right. Heck yeah. Cause like some people are trying to be too relevant and too themselves that they're going away from the Bible. Yeah. Cause like, I don't want to come in and like, I may have had the greatest example of all time and it's like, well, dude, like you got that from someone. Yeah. But at least it's biblical. Did you yeah. get the point? Did you understand what yeah. I was talking about? Then shut up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Michael. Like, and like, even like as Christians, our goal is to not be original. It's to go and to look at scripture and see what scripture tells us. And then from there to have a creative outlet. Yeah. I mean, th- that guy, he was spitting bars and I want to use it. So exactly. <laughs> and like, at the end of the day, it's all the work of the spirit anyways. So That's it's right. not like, we, and that kind of comes back to like wanting to take credit for things. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think about like, if you use a baller example, like I'm not going to sit back and be like, oh, well, that's off limits because Duke used it. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be like, no, that's a great example. Be that, creative, Cole. Yeah, I know. Like, oh, Cole, get your act together. <laughs> it's like, no, like Duke used something that's tangible mm-hmm. and easy for someone to see and to grasp. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be able to use that example as well because it helped me in my growth period. Mm-hmm. And I mean... There's so many times where I feel like, you know, scripture doesn't change. Scripture's unending. It never will ever change. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's biblical. It's there. It's truth. Set in stone. What the Bible says, mm-hmm. in my opinion, every single bit of it is true. Um, but it, it's, it, it's interesting because I do feel like we can fall into the trap a little bit when it comes to teaching mm-hmm. of just being like, I have to teach the same old thing. Like scripture doesn't change, but the way in which we present it to people to be relatable can, Mm -hmm. as long as it's not so overly original to the point where we're taking away the actual meaning of what it says, because then we're trying to be a teacher versus somebody who's actually a biblical steward to what he's given us Mm -hmm. um, and to just scripture, you know, which is a beautiful thing. And so, you know, even you sitting here and being like, man, Cole's so like biblically knowledgeable, like, man, everything I've talked about is just stuff I've been learning over the past semester, you know, that's like, I think like Francis Chan did this thing with like a rope and the rope just kind of like went off stage. It was like an infinity rope. Yeah. It went on forever and there was like a little piece of tape on the end. And he's like, this rope is eternity. Heaven or hell, wherever you go, it's eternity. This little piece of tape is your life. I remember watching that for the first time. I was like, that's bars. Yeah. I've seen like 15 passages. <laughs> yeah, since. I know. I don't know if Francis Chan was the first one, but <laughs> literally like two weeks ago, I saw some I youth pastors. I can't tell you I was how like, many times I've seen the pastors do it, like the water and then they have like the, like it's like, They've got like the food coloring in it, and then they pour it back in, and it's like, and now the blood of Jesus oh, it's like, has cleansed. It's like the bleach, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some like Mike Todd, like uh, screaming. Yeah, at the I know. Like, uh, and now it's clean. <laughs> I remember seeing that for the first time, be like, oh my gosh, and then like you but, said, like, yeah. like fifteen times over, it's like, oh, oh my god, dude. And he's just he's. A, <laughs> <laughs> we get it, bro. I was like, this guy's got a different type of anointing. And honestly, that, that's that's the funny thing about social media because like you see all these guys mm-hmm. doing the same, so it's fun. I mean. Don't be afraid to learn from others. Don't be afraid to teach. Don't be afraid to do all these things because you play a part. Yeah. And the part we play is important because, like you said, you're a foot. If I'm a shoulder, someone else is a pinky toe. Yeah. Like, 
and we t- I talk about puzzle pieces, and I have a piece to play to the puzzle of life. If yeah. You have a piece to play. If I'm trying to play your piece, then it's not gonna there's going to be a well. hole. Yeah. And we all have a piece to play. And the hand has to help out the foot, and the foot has to help out the shoulder. And we all have to help out to make a complete body. Yeah. You just have to be comfortable with that. Well, and I, I've always said, too, like I use the puzzle analogy a lot as well. They're, that's pretty ironic considering everything we've been talking mm-hmm. about just now. Um, but – you know, if we're not willing to play our part, if we're not willing to fit in in the way in which the Lord has molded us, then that clear depiction of Jesus and that clear depiction of the church, it'll always have pieces that are missing. And you know what that reminds me of? Of a of a puzzle that's not good? What? Winston Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> we're not about to start talking Winnie's about New Girl. Winnie's going to do some hustling. <laughs> Winnie, if y'all don't watch New Girl, dude, y'all have to go watch New Girl. It's on Hulu now, sadly. But yeah. Winnie's going to do so some puzzling. Duke and, Duke and I's freshman year of college before Duke had decided to go to Bible college and I've stayed at A&M. We, every night, because we were both really busy, involved in a lot of different ministries, praise God for that time that we got to have together because it's still some of my favorite memories with Mm -hmm. him. Uh, We could talk about the kidney stone thing. We could talk about the hide and seek. We could talk about all of it. But my favorite consistent memory with Duke is every night I would get back from impact meetings at like 1230 a.m. Like it's late, it is late. I would walk upstairs and our rooms are like right across from each other and I could just hear the sounds of the new girl theme music going on in like at 1230 at night Those bars dude. and I, I would just go in there and I'd be like, you want to go get McDonald's? So then sometimes we go get McDonald's and we just watch new girl. The new girl is revolutionary of its time. If you haven't watched it, it's uh that and the chosen are pretty good. <laughs> are, are, we, are we really putting, I will say Winston Bishop did have a line about Jesus in new girl. You know, Jesus had some nice hair. Yeah. That was that was the line. You know who had nice hair? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus had some nice hair. He just got overlooked because of all the miracles and stuff. <laughs> Which, praise God, that we look at his miracles and not his hair. There were so many great Bible figures, but I think Winston Bishop is my favorite, to oh. be honest. Like, he was just a great, <laughs> great man, man of God. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, you know, New Girl's great. Ultimately, the church. That's what all this is about. Yeah. And that's what it all has all been about. If we're going to change the world, we can say world, why not? If we're going to change the world, if we're going to change communities, if we're going to change countries, you ain't going to do it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do it. Together, with God's anointing and God's blessing, we can make it work. But you can't do that by trying to do things on your own. You can't do that by trying to tear them down. You can't do that by comparing. Mm-mm. We're all in this together. High school musical. We're all in this together. Amen. Dude, just start quoting all this like stuff. <laughs> But that Ran was uh, we've got movies now. Yeah, you, you know, look, <laughs> we only know so much Bible. Okay, <laughs> it's like you know whenever we're, yeah, it's like, uh, you know Barney. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's good. I, um, I I will say I think when it comes to just you know the church as well and just looking at this as a whole, like we do have to come together. But it also does start with a level of growth within yourself. Um, and I tell a lot of our high schoolers this, um, and just a lot of our students in general. Um, and, you know, Duke and I can testify to this just when we had to start making major decisions in our life, it, especially when we decided, you know, college and where we wanted to go. Duke mm-hmm. and I, we both could have went and played our prospective college sports if we really wanted to. Um, and a big major thing that we had to do was like, no, like the Lord's will in our life is greater mm-hmm. um, and his plan and his purpose is greater. And so it was one of those deals where we had to, in the midst of our major decision, die to self. And I feel like in a lot of major decisions that we have to make throughout our life, it involves you dying to self in some capacity. 
um, when you decide where you want to go to school, when you decide who you want to spend the rest of your life with. I mean, dating and marriage in general is a lifelong process of dying to yourself and continuing to grow as one um, under the hand of Christ. It's the only way you can be effective. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I just want to encourage you guys that like growth, especially in my own life after this past year and a half has been messy and gross. And I've messed up in a lot of different ways. I haven't been perfect by any means, but praise God for his grace that is sufficient. Um, and praise God for the fact that, you know, he sees us in our need. And that's the whole reason we have a savior. And the fact that he doesn't just cast us aside, even now as someone who is a believer and has that intimate relationship, Mm -hmm. but he continues to grow that even when things are difficult, when we go through hard circumstances that are a product of this broken world or are a product of our own sin, like God sanctifies and he grows and he redeems and he restores, which is so great because I've seen that a lot over this past semester in my own life, Mm -hmm. um, which has just been really cool. Um, And so all of that to say, just don't, in the midst of you having to die to self, let that be something that takes away your ability to be bold um, and your ability to continue to pursue Christ um, because that's the only place that you're ever going to get to fully experience that type of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the only place that you're ever going to be able to truly grow from the mistakes that you've made in the past. Um, And so, you know, in this process of dying to self, and I'm going to try and keep it short because Duke and I will have a lot more episodes together over the summer and then in the near future um, because of certain things that are coming up that are super exciting. Um, But Duke and I will be on here talking a lot more together. But just an encouragement when it comes to talking about the church and just how, you know, Sometimes the atmosphere may not uh, portray the Savior. Um, just know that like dying to self and going through those circumstances is natural for anybody um, and that it's going to be hard and it's going to be tough. But praise God that he tills that soil so he can make room for new seeds to grow life um, and that he takes away the dead and he, he plants seeds that spur on good things. Mm-hmm. In order to work together as a church, the things we talked about, I guess, is just... You have to be selfless. Mm -hmm. You have to strip yourself of your pride. Yeah. You have to stop comparing. It all. We all have to work together, and all none of those things can happen together. You cannot be prideful and work as a team. Mm -hmm. You cannot be comparing and work as a team. You cannot be selfish and work as a team. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it's not about you. It's not about any of us. It's about God, and it's about getting His message to the lost people. Yeah. And the only effective way of doing that is to be working together and simply ridding yourself of any want, ridding yourself, dying to yourself mm-hmm. and saying, what does God want? Yeah. And God's saying, hey, I have this for you, but you can't bring your luggage with you. Mm-hmm. Like, I have this for you, but you have to, like, leave this drama mindset. You have to leave these. And we can't bring it with us. Mm-hmm. In order to work together, we just got to focus up be who God made us to be and work as a team because the church, big C, the Christian church, we are going to be the ones responsible for helping our lost brothers and sisters out. You're not. Yeah. All I know is, is that when I go to heaven, I highly doubt there will be multiple churches in different denominations. And (laughs) I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, like there is a unifying aspect in who Christ is. And so, you know, we've got to start looking at the salvation of what the gospel offers as the one hope instead of just another part. Um, it is the foundation to everything that we do for Christ. Um, without that, I mean, there would be, uh, there would be nothing, you know? Um, so work together be unified with everyone, Christian brothers and sisters. Do what you're called to do. Your calling is important. It is no more or no less than anybody else. And uh, be a baller. Watch New Girl. and Get uh, back to us. Talk to us about New Girl, please. Dude, 
Please talk to us. Comment about new your girl. favorite new girl quote. <laughs> uh, Comment what new girl character you think you are. Here's the BuzzFeed link in the bio. Winston Bishop is the best. Yeah. Anyways, we're we're on the Winnie train. Follow us on all social media. Represent podcast. We'll see y'all next week. Peace.